Unbroken Podcast. I'm Alexandra Amor, author and lifelong explorer of what it means to be human. This is the podcast where my guests and I explore the inside-out nature of life via the psychological paradigm called the Three Principles. We explore the positive effect this can have on every aspect of our lives, including resolving things like unwanted habits, anxiety, trauma, depression, and more. You'll find episode show notes, transcriptions, your complimentary video series, and lots more at unbrokenpodcast.com. If you're struggling to resolve an overeating habit, I invite you to go to freedomfromovereating.com where you'll find all the details about the online course I've created based on my 30 plus years of struggle and how I found the solution to my own overeating habit by exploring this inside out psychological paradigm. Use the coupon code podcast at checkout to save 20% on this unique and comprehensive course. And now here's the show. Jacqueline Hollows, welcome to Unbroken. Thank you. So nice to be here. Nice to see you. Great to have you here. So give us a little bit about your background and how you came across the three principles. Okay. Uh, So I was in IT and customer services for many, many years and a number of things collided as they do. And I I pivoted. Um, I realized that I didn't like IT, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, but I did like people. So I retrained. I did life coaching, counseling, NLP, EFT, anything with a free letter acronym. You know, <laughs> yes. I, I was there, and I came across. Uh, a, a paradigm called the three principles or also known as innate health and I became very interested in that um so uh, sorry the question was what was the question oh just uh, <laughs> yeah this is great no a little bit about okay. your background yeah yeah and okay. how you, okay. yeah yeah so um so I came across the three principles I actually didn't like it personally mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. um I hope it's okay to say this, but I actually thought it was a cult. Yeah, um, common. And I would, yeah, <laughs> yeah, very suspicious, very, very suspicious of it. But I had started, I'd met someone just accidentally who was in recovery from a heroin addiction for for, for the whole of his life. And he'd, he'd got three years recovery under his belt when I met him. And he's one of the most inspiring people I've ever met. Mm. And... I um, just hung out with him. I volunteered on his social enterprise and I met a lot of other people uh, from that background. And I thought they were amazing. And I started to talk to them about this, you know, inside out nature of life and stuff. And they, they, it was having impact and it was in the kitchen. You know, I was making a cup of coffee in the kitchen with them and he used to do home detoxes where uh, a nurse comes in and does the meds and he would look after people, you know, while they're going through, through um, their detox. 
and I would just talk to them and and then they would get jobs and they would make up their relationships and you know they decide to write books and and I'd be thinking wow this really works on them (laughs) and then uh, over time um, I thought they were so amazing and so inspiring and uh, determined. I, you know, I really felt like I came home to my people. Mm. And over time, I eventually thought, well, if they're all amazing, I must be amazing too. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so that sort of started me really then going, I'll give this another look and, and looking in this direction. Mm-hmm. Eventually, that led me to uh, meeting someone who worked in a prison in a substance misuse team and then delivering our programs in prison and evidence in them and so on. So that's where I what I've been doing for the last eight years. Wow. Yeah. And so what was it about working in prisons that attracted you or pulled you? You in? know what? You know what? It didn't. It, it, oh, it, it, okay. it, it, it didn't. It didn't. It was just that. Um, on one day, I'd been uh, an associate coach for somebody who was running a program in a hotel, a very plush hotel, sort of where I imagined myself to be, you know, once I built my coaching practice up and um, and I was like the, the assistant and um, and I helped her and went around the tables and I really had a good time. And then the following day, I'd got this meeting with this guy this substance misuse manager in the prison and I I was just doing anything at that point you know I'll go along and I'll speak to anybody (laughs) and and I was in the gatehouse as they call it of this prison in rugby and I felt absolutely petrified my stomach was turning over it was grubby and pre-COVID, things have improved a little since COVID, but pre-COVID it was stinky and grubby and, you know, it wasn't a very nice place, even the reception, the gatehouse. And I thought, I want to work here. Mm-hmm. I I had no idea why. And then the, the guy came through and he collected us and we went through all these gates and, the you know, it was scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and we it's about a five minute walk from the gatehouse to where we were meeting and I remember feeling uh like what about if I meet a prisoner you know what about if someone asks me something am I allowed to speak am I allowed to talk to them I had I had no idea and I know we're going to talk about my book later but pu- one of the reasons why I've written my book is because I want other people to know you know, people in prison, they're just people. Mm-hmm. They're just people who have happened to done something naughty, uh, sometimes something really bad, and they're in prison, but they're still people. And uh, I, all I knew about prison was what I'd seen on the TV and whatever I'd seen in the media. And so it felt like a very scary place. Um, but for whatever reason, I just felt like that's where I was meant to be. Mm. And so sometimes people say, oh, I want to work in prison. You know, I, and I'm like, yeah, but I never actually wanted to work there. It just happened. And, um, and that's another thing is like things occur to you, whether you like it or not. And you should just, you know, follow those threads. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, I had this meeting with this guy 
didn't go very well. Um, <laughs> he's married to a forensic psychologist. So he kept saying, yeah, but how do people change? Yeah. And I kept saying, I don't know. I just talk to them <laughs> and they change. <laughs> I don't really know how it works. <laughs> and um, he was with the... Um, the, the like the the lead of the NHS, which is our our national health system. So she was there, like these two really important people with all this knowledge and you know background. And I was going, oh, I don't know, I just talked to them. Um, but something about what I said, I eventually said, it's not going very well. Can we have a break? And um, we went and made a drink. And then I just ch- started chatting to him about what I'd been seeing with these amazing people in the community. And that I, I really didn't understand the, you know, the, the gubbins. And, and he said, he said, you know what? I think we should give it a go. Actually, he said, this sounds very similar, uh, to something I've got on my wall. And he had read, um, stop thinking, start living by, uh, the, the guy who died. Richard um, Carlson. Richard Carlson, thank you so much. By Richard Carlson. Wow. And he's got a saying on his wall, stop thinking, start living. And I said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is the same thing. And he said, oh, he, um, Sid Banks must have got it from him. (laughs) (laughs) It was the other way around. Anyway, so yeah, he, he got really interested and he said, do you know what? We'll give it a go. And so um, put together a proposal mm-hmm. and then he said, um, how much would it be? Well, I hadn't even thought about price, you know. So uh, I said, oh, I don't know, 50 quid. <laughs> I just went, <laughs> 50 quid. And um, he, he snapped my hand off and he said, write me a proposal. And and afterwards, when I left, I realised I lived 40-odd miles away. So it's an 80-mile round trip to mm-hmm. this prison uh, it wouldn't even cover, cover my cost in fuel <laughs> but um but I was so keen and then I had to write a proposal I wrote a proposal that went to the uh the, the the committee and then they said um actually the mental health team like it the psychologist not so much can you put together a proper business case including what evidence there is, et cetera. We have to look after our population. And and could you do it for 12 months instead of 12 weeks? Mm. So I ended up writing a business case for a 12-month project. I didn't know what a business case was either. Um, and I ended up writing a, a business case for a 12-month project. I um, I was friends or I'm friends with Jack Pranksky from who wrote Somebody Should Have Told Us. And I told him about it and he said, um, Jacqueline, do you want to put yourself on the map? <laughs> um, and I said, I don't know what you mean, but yeah, that sounds great. And he said, make it a research project. So I was one of the first people to do research in the innate health arena. Wow. So that's, that's how it all started. That's amazing. And so... Uh, so tell us about the work now. So it's quite a few years later. You started in 2015. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I started in 2015, um, d- did several years at, at that prison. 
um, worked in the prison next door, which was for high risk offenders, sex offenders and, and so on. And um, then we went to Nottingham and the violence reduction unit got hold of us. And so we started working with people with knife crime and so on. And, and we were spreading. And then we were meant to do a presentation to the Southwest and roll out the program to 11 Southwest prisons. By now, um, I had two, two, nearly three research papers under my belt. So people were starting to take notice. And um, that was in February 2020. And I was meant to have this big presentation and COVID happened. Mm -hmm. And so that it literally wiped the business out um prisons closed people were locked up for 23 hours a day um they're still in some places locked up for 20 hours a day <sighs> um it's not good and 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 you know they they just stopped everybody going in i went in for a little while to see the vulnerable clients um but yeah we couldn't run groups anymore and when we when we did eventually were able to get in you could only have three people and you get a lot of dropout in groups in prison and mm -hmm. so you know out of, well we were allowed five and out of five three would turn up so it wasn't really um good and um, so now we um pivoted the business uh, uh in during covid we wrote a curriculum with some partners um and that's we, we deliver that curriculum to professionals and we also created a distance learning program and that goes out I still write for the inside times which is the prison newspaper here and then they write and say can we have a pack and uh, we have a wonderful team of buddies um, who write to the guys and girls and talk talk to them about innate health and insights and so on in a very light touch way mm -hmm. uh, actually we might need some more buddies so if any of the listeners feel like doing this then they should just get in touch um yeah so we're always sort of on the lookout for for people who want to communicate and they get a pack they write back and it's quite amazing what you see in those packs that people having realizations and so on. Mm. Uh, we work with an addiction charity and do gamble related um, problems, deal with gambling related problems and harms. And I do, I started a mentoring business. So obviously I trained a lot of people during my time working in prison because I always felt like I wanted other people to come on that journey with me. And then everyone kept saying, why don't you run a mentoring practice? I'm like, oh, I don't really do that. Um, the amount of times I've said, I don't really do that. And then I end up doing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, ran, I, I run a mentoring business. So I work with clients. I'm particularly um, attracted to clients who uh, want to change the world, you know, who, who want to do social good and work in hard to reach areas. So I do supervision and I do some training and I write and yeah, I just have fun. <laughs> oh, that's great. Do, do what I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So very quickly, before we jump into talking about the book, which is sort of the focus of our conversation today, what I just want to ask what sort of changes you, you see in the prisoners that you work with when you introduce the principles to them 
So, one of the visitors that I had um, sitting group with us when we were working in, in prison said to him it seemed like he was in a room of philosophers. Wow. He completely forgot that he was in prison. And when you talk to people about the deeper nature of life um and whether that's whether that's the three principles or other spiritual practices or other philosophical practices when you look at people and you see their health and not their crime or their behavior something magical happens so there have been transformations i.e people who have left prison and completely changed their lives and and um and so on and and they're amazing stories but I, I just wanted to touch on these these just very gentle beautiful things that happen to people that maybe didn't transform their lives but they just changed enough to come out and get a job mm-hmm. uh come out and go straight come out and be with their families um they they started we we talk to people who are from all ends of the spectrum and you know people who have done white collar crime and just you know got caught um or, or or people at the other end of the spectrum who have been in a violent um trauma filled life you know for forever and and everybody gets something and just thinking about that guy, for instance, the, the the trauma one, John will call him. Um, he used to he he was in and out of prison the whole of his time. He was he was he had a lot of trauma, and he was attacked one time, and he, he'd wake up every night and and imagine this person with the knife attacking him, and he had scars and and all sorts. And he used to get himself into trouble in prison so that he could be put into the segregation unit. And then he could kick off and he would be able to uh, have all, all the officers come and then he would fight all the officers and um, they would fight him, you know. And that's how he felt alive when when he was in a, in a fracas like that. And that would help him to feel like awake and alive. And the rest of the time, he just didn't want to be alive. And you're in a group with him and 15, you know, other hairy, scary men, as I like to say. <laughs> and he's there saying, I never imagined I could find love in prison. Mm. And the men would talk about love and they would talk and, and they would cry mm-hmm. and they would talk about, and you're not allowed to do that in prison. <laughs> That's not a good, it's not a good look, right? <laughs> um, but they would talk about their feelings and they would talk about um that they would that they would been looking at the sunset through their bars. And it was just amazing to see, regardless to what went on afterwards or what they did afterwards with their lives. It's I feel it's so important for the listeners to know that that's in everyone. Mm-hmm. And I've sat across from really hardcore sex offenders, uh, paedophiles, 
and seeing that light in there and been amazed myself you know had judgments myself and been amazed at seeing that light come on and and having a person say i'm i'm never going to get out of prison but i can make my life worthwhile in prison by helping other people mm. and and that's you know i mean it's it's a way right mm-hmm. and and then of course there are our lovely people who have come out and you know, there's 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 many of them, Derek Mason and Omar and Chris and all of those people that have sp- spoken at conferences and so on. And and I love them to bits. But I, I feel like sometimes the the normal people get forgotten, you know, that the ones that actually at the heart of them, they they showed their spiritual essence and it was beautiful. Mm hmm. Oh, that's so lovely. Thank you for sharing that. And I think, yeah, that's such an important point that success um, has look can look so different. You know, there's so many ways that that can look. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good point. And and I I remember walking around the prison and meeting someone um, on his forklift. And most of the guys used to want to do it again. Can we come back again, miss? And Mm -hmm. they wanted to do the, the, the programs a lot. Um, and part of why they were so transformed and so enjoying it is because they felt the unconditional love and they felt you listening to them. Yeah. Part of them. That's what they would say. They would say, I've never been looked at the way that you guys, you know, the whole team, not just me, everybody yeah. who was involved, the way that we all looked at them. They've never been seen. And um, just that enough is enough to uh, give people hope and a, and a glimpse of their own true essence. And I, I was walking through the the grounds and there was someone on a forklift and I invited him back to group. You know, I said, we're running another group. And he said, you know what? I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm getting my forklift license. Um, I realize it's me. I realize I've been doing this to myself my whole life. So I don't need anything else. So there, there were those people, you know, they, yeah. they got in up, they got out and they went on with their lives <laughs> and, and they're just as important. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. I'm so pleased to hear that. Okay. So let's do a little pivot. Same, same subject though. Um, so you've just launched a Kickstarter um, uh, about to support the release of your new book which is called Wing of an Angel. So tell us about writing the book and uh, yeah, what motivated that and all okay. that kind of stuff. Thank yeah. You. So it is a book of my heart. Mm. <laughs> so I never considered myself a writer. There's another thing on my list of things <laughs> I thought I'd never do. So I never considered myself a writer. In fact, I thought I was rubbish at mm. writing and I never planned to write a book never even wanted to it wasn't it wasn't on my bucket list but in prison the technology is um non-existent basically and so when I came home I used to write my notes and so I ended up with boxes and boxes of notes because first of all I was doing a research project so I wanted to capture all the essence of what the people have been saying and um and second of all it just relived it for me so I would write notes and I would draw draw the pictures of what we'd put on the board you know and 
just for my own pleasure, really, and and potentially to use in the research. And so, uh, but people kept saying to me, I, I've been very lucky pre-COVID. I've spoken at many conferences around the world on on the subject. And um, and people kept saying, when will you write your book? When will you write your book? I was like, never, you know. <laughs> uh, but I have a friend who's an author and, and she said, you really should, you know, you really just should write your book. And eventually um, there is a great serendipity. I don't know if you know about the, the, the Jewish faith, but in the Jewish faith, there's a world called, a word called Hashkocha. And it means divine intervention. Oh, so wow. you tell a Hashkocha story, it's about divine intervention. Okay. So this author th- friend kept saying, you should write a book, you should write a book. And oh, yeah, yeah, maybe one day. And um, she came to visit us in um, d- December 18 and said, you know, I- I'm going on a retreat, a writer's retreat on a barge close by to you. Uh, would you like to come? Anyway, it sounded like the worst thing in the world. I was like, there's no way I am going to be on a barge with loads of strangers writing. And then you have to read writing that. Um, But of course, what kept happening was writing retreats kept occurring, uh, coming up on Facebook or, you know, in a newsletter. I was thinking, what on earth is going on? And a friend wrote to me and said, there's a person called Jewel Swales. She's starting writing classes, and um, I think you like her. Mm. I, I don't need. I'm not. I'm not a writer. Will you all stop it? So then, <laughs> um, someone else said to me, "Oh, have you heard of Jewel Swales?" I was like, uh, "Yeah, but I don't understand." You know, WTF? And um, and then and then I discovered that Jewel Swales had done a Dick and Bettinger. Heal the World program. Wow. So she was in the Free Principles and she also had been at a conference where I had spoken and I'd read a letter from one of the men from mm. prison and it, whose name is who's Angel in the book. Mm. And she'd been at that conference. So I thought, well, that's interesting because she'll get me. Like, yeah. so I, I'm more inclined that. Anyway, it then also turned out that she, um, her ex-partner had been incarcerated. And so she knew about being, so I was like, okay, universe, I I hear you. I'm good. I'm on it. So I jumped on her writing class and we've become good friends. And she came along to my home and um, uh, she, she was on a visit over from the States. She lives in the States and she came back and now she lives here. But anyway, she came and I said, people keep telling me to write a book and I have these boxes of notes, you know, like, is that a book? And she was very kind and said, we could probably shape that into a book. You know, she didn't, she didn't tell me what it would be like. This was in January December, uh, 2019. Mm. And that's how long it's taken me to write the book. Mm-hmm. Because it was just a box of notes. So then there was a whole load of stuff to be done. Create, you know, create the story, the arc of the story, learn how to write properly, um, et cetera. And and so Wing of an Angel was written over four years, sometimes not at all, sometimes just 
I can't do it anymore. It's going in the drawer. Um, it's had many revisions. It's had many titles. And uh, eventually in 2020, at the end of 2020, so that's a couple of years of having a little go at it, I thought it was ready. And then one of the protagonists said, I don't want to be in it. And I just thought, okay, well, I have to publish it when I'm dead because there's I can't take him out. Uh, so it went back in the drawer for a few months. And then I um, I was in a supermarket and Angel, who is the protagonist in the book, set, spoke to me and said, you have to tell my story. Mm. And it was so loud. I just put my shopping down and went home and wrote and an angel wrote a story from when he was five years old. Wow. Uh, it gives me shivers, you know, and, um, and I wrote angel story and then it just kept coming and I'd look at, I laid all my book out and then angel would just tell me, Oh, I need a chapter there. I need a chapter there. And so on. So I rewrote the thing. I took out everybody. Um, and I, I, it, it, Angel is the, I mean, I mention other people, but very vaguely. And, um, that was the last revision. Uh, mm-hmm. but that just took me a little while. And I do sometimes say when I write on my blog that I'm the 10 minute author because I, I, I wrote for 10 minutes every day sometimes and sometimes half an hour and, I mean, you know, right? Sometimes you just haven't got the time to write, but you've got to keep keep the practice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So can you tell us a little bit about the story? So, um, yeah. 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 So one of the things that Jules Swales persuaded me when she read maybe the second revision, um, she said, it, it's great. It's a story of the people that you've worked with and um working in the prison system so one of the readers has said I never knew that went on in prison so you know there's lots of juicy stuff um and being part of a grassroots organization and the challenges and the ups and downs and the highs and lows and she said but the problem is you're not in it and you need to write yourself into this story Mm. um so then I wrote my own story which is a trauma filled background I've lots of trauma I've got I had complex PTSD um etc and I I didn't really want to do that to be fair um but I realized it, it it was important so it was important for me to tell my story because one of the messages of this book is, which which um, I haven't got the actual copyright here. I've just got the, the not for sale one. But OK, yeah, like. But one of the messages is that anybody can do anything. It doesn't matter what we've been through. And, I, and I've been through it mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter. I'm a normal person. I've been through a lot of SHIT. I've I've had a lot of struggles. Um a bit crazy but I could still I can still do anything and so can anybody else and those fears that hold us back they're they're not they're not real they're just thought and they're just things that we keep um we keep 
they're barriers but they're not real barriers mm-hmm. and so you know i um i couldn't spell you know i had lots of difficulties with writing and you you just find ways around it all mm-hmm. and um i know men who've taught themselves to read in prison with a dictionary you know so like we can all do anything and and so um so I revised it. I put myself into it. So the story is it follows the arc of the hero's journey. So there's the story of me and how I got to come to this place, this portal um, of working in prison. The story of Beyond Recovery, which is the enterprise, you know, the social enterprise that I started. And then the story of the boys and girls that I met and and the transformations that I saw and then you know what happened during covid and then what's happening now but it's um the hero's journey never ends because as we as we finish one arc you know we get invited into another another um initiation don't we so um it is my story but i an angel story but i feel like there's an angel in everybody Mm-hmm. and that it's it's everybody's story mm-hmm. and and I invite the reader to come with me and and be part of it and be part of the movement that we can do anything yes I love that and that ties back into what you said earlier about working with the prisoners that in every single one of us there is that spiritual light that innate health that never ever ever goes away and uh yeah i love that those yeah that that's tied so beautifully together yeah yeah yeah. so you're you're launching this on kickstarter and so tell us about about that like if people aren't familiar um when a project is launched on kickstarter there are different rewards that's what they call them and so you can support the project at different levels. Um, so tell us about those levels for the listeners. Yeah, that's really good. Well done. <laughs> um, yeah, so a lot of people don't know about Kickstarter, which I didn't realize. But one of the reasons I'm doing it this way is um, to try and cover publishing costs because mm-hmm. they have been rather big. Yep. But the book is going to be launched anyway. Um, but, but, you know, it would be it would be good if we could cover the publishing costs. Um, I also have a vision of getting the book into every library in in the UK, prison library, sorry, in the UK, because I think the boys would really enjoy it and the the girls. Um, So I'd love to do that and and see if that's possible. Um, And so, yes, so when you launch a book on on Kickstarter, um, you have different levels of rewards. So the paperback, for instance, which is available on Kickstarter now, isn't available to the public. So right. the only way you can get the book right now is through the Kickstarter project. And so the paperback is £20. So you pay the £20, but of course some of that goes towards the, the pot. Um, and so you you can pay a, you pay a little bit more to support the creator, mm-hmm. and, which is which is me (laughs) (laughs) and um the rewards are there's there's an you can just pledge um you know just for fun because you think i'm amazing and so that that'd be great um but you can also the rewards are there's a ebook 
Um, then the next level is a paperback. Then the next level is a hardback. Now, the hardback isn't going to be for sale anywhere else. In the future. So, yeah. Well, it may be. Maybe. Okay, yeah. But the Kickstarter people, that's that's what the hardback is for. Um, I'm going to a place down the road. They're going to print the hardback. It's a special one. And I'm going to number everyone and sign everyone. Oh, nice. So they get a, yeah, they get yeah. a numbered and signed version of the hardback. Um, I'm really excited about the hardback. And um, so there's that one. And then uh, there's a couple of other things like there's a consultancy with me uh, where you get hardback and a consultancy. Um, and I, I'll do a consultancy on on anything, on starting working in prison, starting a social enterprise, writing, um, you know, whatever, running it, running, running a YouTube channel, um, whatever it is that they want to talk about, all the free principles, you know, anything they like. Um, and then there's a there's a lush reward, which is this is a this is um our retreat. This cottage here is our retreat. Oh. Probably can't see that when you're on podcast, but um, for those uh, people on YouTube, yeah, your background, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're in the middle of the country. We're in the middle of the countryside, um, and it's a like a, a one floor retreat it's self-contained with a kitchen and a bedroom and everything and that's one of the kickstarter rewards so people could have two nights here and if they tied that in with a consultancy with me then we would have a walk and talk and so on so that's quite an exciting one and then um we haven't quite got there but i'll be releasing the stretch goals and the stretch goals to when you get to a certain level is to get the book in every prison library um and and i would like to create the pod the audio version uh yes. as well so one stretch goal is the um to create the audio version but again you know there's a there's a lot of uh finances to go with that so yeah and it, it's been it's been very a lot of learning <laughs> <laughs> yes i could probably consult on how to do a kickstarter now as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was just gonna say goodness yeah. me wow okay and so if people want to support the project uh, i love this idea of getting the book into every prison library in the country that is so great and i mean imagine the difference that would make because of course you and even beyond recovery your enterprise you know, your reach can only go so far. It's limited by the number of hours in the day and um, the number of people who are working with you. But with a book, it could go everywhere. Yeah, yeah. that's so yeah. great. That's so fine. so folks can go to kickstarter.com. Yes, yes. And, um, and I guess they look for my name, um, J.B. Hollows. Or the uh, name of the book. I looked, I did a quick search an this morning. Yeah, Wing of an yeah. Angel. If you search for that, it comes up. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, brilliant. Yeah. And then, it, and if they didn't want to do that and they just want to buy the book and they want to wait, then the book will be uh, released later this year and it will be on Amazon 
on the different countries. Um, so that's also a possibility. But I love you to support me on Kickstarter. Thank yes, you. yes, of course. Yeah. And and if people aren't aware, it is really expensive to uh, to to publish a book. I mean, you've got editing costs and then the production costs and marketing and all that kind of stuff. Cover design. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Formatting, yeah. developmental yeah. review. Yeah. 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 It's, a, it's a lot. <laughs> it, it is a lot. Yes. Yeah. And then when you bring the audiobook into it, that's really expensive because of course, narrators are so talented and they do you know they do such good work but it it costs to you know to hire a narrator and that kind of stuff yeah Yeah, so okay so for the listeners again it's kickstarter.com and then they can just search for wing of an angel and they will they will be able to find the project and it's it's live right now as this goes out so this is going out october 18th 2023 and um for anyone listening they can go and have a look amazing yeah great well Jacqueline it's been so lovely talking to you is there anything we've as we kind of come towards the end of our time together anything that we haven't touched on yet that you'd like to share it could be about your work or about the book um You know, I just want to leave people with with a message, really. Uh, if people want to find out about my work, they can just Google me, and all my all my stuff comes up. Uh, but I want to—I'd love to leave people with a message, which is: it always seems like, well, that's okay for you. It always seems like people do those things; that's okay for them. People write, people do this, people do that, and it's different for me because I've got all these things and reasons why and and one of those problems is is manifesting I couldn't go and volunteer in a homeless shelter or I couldn't go and uh, to my local refugee hostel and you know help the women there um you know who am I and and I want the listeners to know we all think that it we we all think that. And uh, a lady said to me recently, she wanted to go and work in, um, she wanted to go and ha- do drumming, um, like a drumming circle for women in the refugee hostel down the road. Uh, they're kept in terrible conditions. Mm-hmm. And she just wanted to go and be nice, you know, and be helpful. And she actually, and she's an amazing person. And she actually thought, well, you know, who am I to do that? And obviously I encouraged her to do that and she is going to do that. But she thought to herself, and the reason why she came to me is if Mama J had uh, had thought that, then she wouldn't have gone into prison. Right. And it's true. And I did think it, but I did it anyway. And so I just want everyone to know that you don't have to do something. But if you if it occurs to you, if it, if you keep getting your heart tugged, then please go do it mm-hmm. because everybody else is thinking someone else will do it <laughs> right. and they need your light. They need your light. And that's what you're being called to do. And it doesn't have to take over your life like it took over my life. It can be voluntary. It can be a few hours. It can be it can be just being nice to someone who's on on the streets right Mm -hmm. 
But if you feel called to do it and you get that tug, just go do it and you figure out the rest. Lovely. Oh, I love that. Thank you for saying that. That's beautiful. So uh, we've mentioned the Kickstarter address and then Beyond Recovery is the social enterprise that you have. What's the what's the web address there? Is it beyondrecovery.co.uk? It yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. And the mentoring website is jbhollows.co.uk. But like I say, if you Google my name, I'm usually like on the first three pages. <laughs> my son thinks I'm famous. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, good. All right. Well, thank you again so much, Jacqueline. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you found the show helpful and uplifting. You'll find all the backlist episodes and show notes at unbrokenpodcast.com. To learn more about how to resolve an overeating habit in a way that's unlike anything else you've tried, go to freedomfromovereating.com. Use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout to save 20% on this unique and comprehensive course. See you next time!